Good morning. Today I'm going to talk about Uriah the Hittite. One of the things that's been, God has worked on my heart lately is how much the Israelites worship God. You have prophets, priests, teachers, people who had direct service that God ordained them to. But what did everybody else do? What was the average Israelite to do in order to serve God? They brought sacrifices. They did things to serve him in that way. They made atonement through the priests and, and, and through the sacrificial system. But what else were they to do? Well, as it turns out, the more you look into it, they served God by being in the army. By doing the work that God called them to do, especially when they first went into Israel, when they were planning to take back the land, and even in David's day, they were still struggling to maintain Israelite property, keeping it, keeping it, these cities uh, controlled by Israel. They struggled all through David's life. And as we know, when Solomon came, part of the blessing to Solomon was that he could rule with peace on all sides, which is why Solomon was so successful and why David's life was such a struggle is because he, he had war, he had strife all of his life. So in David's time is where this story comes from. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, if you want to turn there, I would like to read that book, uh, that chapter to you. 2 Samuel chapter 11. In the spring of the year, at the time when kings normally conduct wars, David sent out Joab with his officers and the entire Israelite army. They defeated the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed behind in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Now, this woman was very attractive. So David sent someone to inquire about the woman. The messenger said, Isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent some messengers to get her. She came to him, and he went to bed with her. Now at that time, she was in the process of purifying herself from her menstrual uncleanness. Then she returned to her home. The woman conceived and then sent word to David, saying, I'm pregnant. So David sent a message to Joab that said, Send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked about how Joab and the army were doing and how the campaign was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your home and relax. When Uriah left the palace, the king sent a gift to him. But Uriah stayed at the door of the palace with all the servants of his lord. He did not go down to his house. So they informed David, 
Uh, Uriah has not gone down to his house. So David said to Uriah, haven't you just arrived from a journey? Why haven't you gone down to your house? Uriah replied to David, the ark and Israel and Judah reside in temporary shelters. And my lord Joab and my lord's soldiers are camping in the open field. Should I go to my house to eat and drink and go to bed with my wife? As surely as you are alive, I will not do this thing. So David said to Uriah, stay here another day. Tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem both that day and the following one. Then David summoned him. He ate and drank with him and got him drunk. But in the evening he went out to sleep on his own bed with the servants of his Lord. He did not go down to his own house. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In the letter he wrote, Station Uriah at the front of the thick of the battle and then withdraw from him so he will be cut down and killed. So as Joab kept watch on the city, he stationed Uriah at the place where he knew the best enemy soldiers were. When the men of the city came out and fought with Joab, some of David's soldiers fell in battle. Uriah the Hittite also died. Then Joab sent a full battle report to David. He instructed the messenger as follows. When you finish giving the battle report to the king, if the king becomes angry and asks you, why did you go so close to the city to fight? Didn't you realize that they shoot from the wall? Who struck down Abimelech, the son of Jerubashath? Didn't a woman throw an upper millstone down on him from the wall so that he died in Thebes? Why did you go so close to the wall? Just say to him, your servant Uriah the Hittite is also dead. So the messenger departed. When he arrived, he informed David of all the news that Joab had sent with him. The messenger said to David, the men overpowered us and attacked us in the field, but we forced them to retreat all the way to the door of the city gate. Then the archers shot at the servants from the wall, and some of the king's soldiers died. Your servant Uriah the Hittite is also dead. So David said to the messenger, Tell Joab, don't let this thing upset you. There is no way to anticipate whom the sword will cut down. Press the battle against the city and conquer it. Encourage him with these words. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband Uriah was dead, she mourned for him. When the time of mourning passed, David had her brought to his palace. She became his wife. She bore him a son. But what David had done upset the Lord. So with the, the notes that you have, we ask the question first, why did David stay behind? It was common for the king to go out with the soldiers and to help guide them in, in their battle, in their struggle with uh, the fight against their enemy. And we ask the question, but we aren't sure. And I suggest that David had complete confidence in his men. His men were above almost anyone else in their, in their abilities. God had blessed David with 
something that many people don't have, and that is people who were drawn to David, I think by the Lord's uh, guiding and the Lord's work, they were drawn to David because David was the new anointed king to take Saul's place. And David had this ability to draw people to himself. In fact, the Bible says that everything that David did pleased the people. And so when David was uh, becoming this person whom God was developing, people were drawn to him. And here's a couple comments that were made about, about David. Now, the point about David is to really direct you toward Uriah. So you have to know a little bit about David in order to understand what Uriah was up to and what his draw was to the Israelite army. So here's, here's a little bit of uh, information from Chronicles. In 1 Chronicles 12.22, it says, each, each day men came to help David until his army became very large. So even before David was king, he had a following of men. Men who were, were loyal to David, even before he was anointed king. In 1 Chronicles 12, 18, it says, But a spirit-empowered Amasai, the leader of the 30 warriors, and he said, We are yours, O David. We support you, O son of Jesse. May you greatly prosper. May those who help you prosper. Indeed, your God helps you. So David accepted them and made them leaders of raiding bands. You see, they were drawn because of God's work through David. They were drawn to David. And they even believed and understood that God was behind David. So when they joined the, the army, you might, we might call it, the Israelite army, they were not only joining David, but they were joining the work of God because they knew God was behind David and what he was doing. Okay, so why did he stay behind? He had complete confidence in his military. In fact, three of his nephews were military leaders. And, and that's not often understood. Joab himself was a commander above all commanders when it came to leading the army. Was he a moral man? Was he a good man? Not at all. Was he a military leader? Absolutely. In fact, his brothers were not so good either. And they, they were a rough group. In fact, David even says that, what am I going to do with you sons of Zeruiah? You are just ruthless. That's my paraphrase. But you're just ruthless people. You, you kill when you shouldn't be killing. You, you, you fight. You battle. But I will say this to you about those kind of men. God still used them for David's success. In their military work, God still used these ruthless men who would fight on the drop, you know, just like this, give me a reason, and you're dead. Those are the kind of people that David had drawn to him. Now, they were not moral people in all cases, but that's why I am so encouraged by Uriah, who seemed to be a different sort of guy. He wasn't just that ruthless, mean, ugly kind of warrior type of guy. I will say that God used them all, 
and I, you just have to read it, and you'll, you'll see what I'm saying. Okay, so that's probably why David felt comfortable about leaving these fights, these battles, and staying at home. Now, he may have had other reasons, but that's the reason I would say he was confident in even leaving them out there. Now, let me show you one other thing, one other reason later on that, that he was staying at home. Now, this was not at this time, but later in the story, there was a story where David was actually at the battlefield fighting, you know, doing the old sword play, doing the spears, doing the whole battle thing, and one of the Philistines were about to kill David. And you understand that they understood that David was the anointed one of God, the anointed one to be the next king. And so they understood that. And, when, and so they knew that David was special. And they even uh, uh, believed that, that no matter what, they had fights with Israel. They struggled. Judah and Israel fought. And at this time, David was established. But look what happened. David was about to die, and Abishai, the son of Zuriah, came to rescue him and saved him from this Philistine who would have surely killed him at this time. And it says this. Um, so Abishai, the son of Zuriah, came to David's aid, striking the Philistine down and killing him. Then David's men took an oath saying, you will not go out to battle again with us again. You must not extinguish the lamp of Israel. So they told him, David, now this is later on. This is not during this story, but this is later on. They told him, you will stay at home. We can't afford to lose you. You're too important to us for us to lose you in a battle that we can take care of. And that's basically the establishment of David staying home later on. Okay, so let's look at who was Bathsheba. She was the wife of Uriah, daughter of Eliam, and possibly the granddaughter of Ahithophel. Ahithophel was a, was a counselor to the kings. And it says of Ahithophel, Now in those days, advice from Ahithophel was like an oracle from God. That's how seriously they took his advice. It's like he was speaking directly from God when he gave them advice. Okay? Now, the interesting thing about Ahithophel was he was the father of Eliam, which was the father of Bathsheba. And so, in the, and Eliam was one of David's mighty men. So it's possible that Bathsheba's father and husband were soldiers in the Israelite army. It's possible. Now, sometimes names can get a little confusing, but as far as it reads in Chronicles, it, it sounds just like her father and her husband were both in the Israelite army. Okay, uh, But she was the wife of Uriah which is where that brings her into this story about David and Bathsheba. Because Uriah, uh, as we read, uh, was very much a soldier in the Israelite army. Now, let's talk about Uriah. What kind of man was he? Uriah was a Hittite who worshipped the God of Israel. His name means 
light of Yahweh or flame of God. Now, first of all, he's a Hittite. Wouldn't you rather say Uriah the Israelite? Wouldn't you rather say, you know, that he was one of, from one of the tribes of Israel? He wasn't. So that meant his part in the, in the Israelite army was even more of a volunteer. I desire to be part of it. I want to be part of it. This is my choice to be part of it. It's like you being here today. It's your choice to be here. It was Uriah's choice to be part of the Israelite army. Okay? Um, and I made a little list there that I got help with. I'll admit that. But this list kind of points and directs us to the kind of person that Uriah was. Uh, he was loyal to the God of Israel. Uzziah's zeal, Uriah, excuse me, zeal to serve the true God as a soldier for Israel. He wanted to be part of that team. He chose to be. Okay? He was a dedicated soldier. You know who Israel had to fight? The Hittites. Well, it says that Uriah was a Hittite like a million times. So if you haven't got that figured out, Uriah was a Hittite, right? Okay? And, he, and they had to fight with these people of the land. And so Uriah stayed with Israel, fought with Israel, wanted to be with Israel. Wouldn't that be neat to think that we would do that today? That we would have that strong a desire to be part of, for example, of what's happening here today? This was beautiful today. Beautiful music. Of course, you always crush me with that Revelation song. That just crushes me. That's really good before you come up here to be crushed by that. But, um, you know, with tears and stuff. So, it's beautiful, right? It's good to be part of it. Uriah wanted to be part of it, right? Okay? He, he was an accomplished... Um, he was accomplished in his duty. Well, what does that mean? He was good at being a soldier. He was a soldier. He fought hard. He worked hard. He wanted to be there. Okay? Um, he, Uriah was respectful. When he spoke of Joab, his commander, he called him Lord not meaning like Lord God, but Lord, my, my master type Lord. He was working under Lord Joab, okay? And he also talked about my Lord soldiers are camping in the field. He was respectful. Uh, he was committed to his leaders and to his country, Israel. What did he say? Uh, he said, the ark, Israel, and Judah are staying in temporary shelters in the field. Now, you remember when we read this, uh, these verses, his biggest concern was, I'm goofing off back home, and they're still out in the field. Uriah couldn't stand that. That was killing him to not be where he believed he should be. If we only had that kind of zeal in our life to be where we're supposed to be, wouldn't, wouldn't he be a good example for that? Okay. He says he was firm to principle. I, now, this is going to be one of my main key points. So I want you to say this, and I want you to say it over and ten times. I will not do this thing. 
And I practice this. This is hard. I will not do this thing. He was firm in principle. I will not do this thing. He couldn't do it. He could not, would not do this thing that he was being asked to do. Now, there's a lot to be said that with that, and we're going to go on with that in a minute. He was trustworthy. He took the letter that David wrote to send to Uriah's commander, right, to put him to death. Now, if I had a letter in my, in my pocket, I would be tempted to, like, pull it out and read it. But you know he didn't. He took it directly to Joab. Joab took the letter. Joab read the letter. Joab made the command for Uriah to be put in the front, to be put in a dangerous position in the, in the battle. And the next one was he was obedient. He went to, into the battle as he was told to do. His commander said, go and fight in this location. He went. He didn't hesitate, even though I'm sure that as he went, he realized this is going to be a very tough place that I've been put in. He knew it. He was a soldier. But he went because he was told to go. And you know what? That cost him his life, as well as a few other of the soldiers that went with him. They, they went in. There was only a few. Uh, David suggests that they draw back so that they would make sure that Uriah died. Now, if that doesn't break your heart, nothing will. He went. He did it. And then as a suggestion for us as believers today, looking back on this event, it's, Uriah was an example of a true Christian. Now, let's break that down. He was loyal to God. He was a dedicated soldier. He was dedicated, loyal, accomplished. He, and he could do what he set out to do. He had abilities, skills, talents. Uh, he was respectful um, and to his leaders. Um, he, he was committed to the leaders, to his country, Israel. He was committed. He was all those things. Uh, he was firm in principle. He was trustworthy. He was obedient. These are all things that as you read them, you say, that list would be a good list for me to check and make sure that I try to stay in line with those things as I deal with my friends and my neighbors and my coworkers, which is the hardest one I've ever seen, is to deal with my coworkers like that. Um, I happen to have a really crazy guy for a coworker right now, but I love him dearly. And the reason I love him is because I can say anything to him and he can give it right back to me. But we often have had great discussions over theology, which is the most fun part about talking to him. Um, and that doesn't happen every day because we, live, we work in a mill and it's, you know, it's not like the cleanest, smoothest job in the world. But we have some pretty great discussions. He actually helped me a little bit with uh, preparing this, believe it or not. Now we're to the point where Uriah had put the brakes on. He had totally put the brakes on. He said, uh, you, 
David said, go to your house. Well, why was David telling him to go to his house? We all know why. To cover up his sin. Because if Uriah would go to his house, the pregnancy could be covered up by the fact that it could be Uriah's baby, even though they all knew it was David's baby. Uriah was in the field. There's no way it could have been Uriah's baby. Somebody else, and you know that he might have prevented, think about this now, in their day, Bathsheba could have been put to death or at the very least shunned for this event. If nobody had stood up and said, I'm the father or, or however that would go. You see that David was in a tough, tough place. He didn't want to put her in that place, and he also didn't want to put himself in that place. So he devised this plan, right? So go to my house. This is where he didn't count on something about Uriah that was different than everybody else, which is why Uriah, in my heart, is a special person. Because he said, there's no way I'm going to my house while the army is out in the field. It's not going to happen. He said, go to my house to eat? And I added food that he could choose in abundance at his house when the, who knows what they were eating in the field, right? Which is part of why he said that. To drink, and I said he could drink wine, water, or whatever he wanted, anytime he wanted, while he was resting at his home, and then the idea was, obviously, David's intent was, and I'm not sure it's interesting that Uriah mentions this, but go to bed with my wife while they're in the field? While they're fighting and dying and, and struggling and serving the Lord through their, through their work of being a soldier? There's no way I should be here at home. And the idea is here. These are all things that he could enjoy at the right time. There was nothing wrong with any of those things. The point wasn't that there was something wrong with those things. The point was this was not the right time for those things. I will enjoy them later, but I will not enjoy them now. Can you feel that? Can you see that in Uriah? It's not for me now. It's not that I'm rejecting those things. I certainly am thankful for those things. That's my way of seeing it through Uriah. Certainly he was glad to have those things. Of course he was glad to have those things. But not now. And I, he just burned in my heart, really, that timing is everything. It's not time for everything that you want right now. Sometimes there's a time where you need to be doing something else. Okay? And then, what about this idea? Okay? If David had only said, I will not do this thing, which Uriah 
has now got, my, my, got me all stirred up on saying, I will not do this thing. But what if David had said, I will not do this thing? How would that have changed what I'll call history? Unfortunately, that's not the way the story reads. And one of the only things that displeased the Lord with David was this event. And in Chronicles, it, it actually says, everything David did, the Lord approved of. That's my paraphrase. Except this deal with Uriah and Bathsheba. That's what it says in Chronicles. Except this. Now, I wasn't going to talk about David too much here. And you can see my note because there's a whole other sermon there. Okay, we won't go there. But you can see that what David did could have been avoided if he had only had the same spirit that Uriah had. If he had said, I will not do this thing. Now the question for me, which is what started this whole thing long before I was asked to come here and preach to you, and why this is actually my lesson to myself more than it is to you, is to say, do we have times where I wish I had said, I will not do this thing? And then not to have done it? Certainly we do. I know I do. I wish I had said, I will not do this thing, and then did not do it. Now that's, try this out a little bit. I tried it and it hurts. Okay, but I'm asking you to do it. It's fun, but it hurts. I will not do this thing. When something comes into your life or you already have something, try that out. I will not do this thing. About to lose my stand. Okay, it, it's what stirred me at this, at this point of Uriah. I will not do this thing. Now, I will say to you that God loved Uriah. Okay? You think that because he was a Hittite, somehow God didn't love him more than any other Israelite military man? He loved him. He cared about what David did because he loved him dearly. He said, who could I have that was more loyal to the military commanders, loyal to Israel? He mentions the ark. He mentions Israel and Judah. He mentions his commanders. He even is there because of David. And God says, you know, I'm upset with you, David, because you did that. And I just want to sit, and the point of me seeing that is God cared for Uriah. See, David had killed many men. We don't see that in our world right now, like within this group. But that was during a military battle. And there's a difference between fighting a battle in a war and that kind of killing than there is in this kind of killing. This kind of killing was considered murder. 
And you'll see that if you study Joab's life as well. Um, and, and that's a whole nother, nother world that you would have to look into. This kind of killing displeased the Lord. It, it caused him to be, uh, in some versions it says he was blasphemed because of this, because of the king doing such a thing. Let's get back to Uriah. At the bottom here we have Uriah stood his ground. He didn't give in. When the king was asking him to do these things, he stood his ground even when the king was asking him to do these things. The very person that he was there to serve was asking him to do these things. He says, I will not do this thing. So he stood his ground. And when you are faced with something, this is my challenge to me. This is what God challenged me with. He says, stand your ground. Now, usually that's a defensive posture, like in a fight. But it can also mean, uh, stand your ground can also mean to refuse to compromise and be unyielding. Don't yield. When you've made a stand on something, on it's, it's your thing. It's, you know what your thing is. <laughs> Isn't that funny to call it a thing? But you know what your thing is, and you know where that's leading you, and whether or not you need to make a stand for God, a stand for what's right, a stand to do the right thing, you know what that is. I don't have to talk to you about that. That's you talking to you. In fact, I want to say this. Larry Wheels is a weightlifter and who I don't really follow, but who I have watched before, who said, you versus you. And I thought, well, that's a pretty good, simple way to, to look at things. Is Sometimes it's about you and you dealing with you and the things that you are dealing with now, you get help with your friends, with your family, and things like that with God. But ultimately, it's you deciding, making a choice. And that's what we're really talking about. Okay, and I'm going to finish with a song. And you're lucky I'm not going to sing it. But let's listen to this song. Maybe we can feel the spirit that Uriah felt through this song.